Vikings podcast. Uh, this is Ian, uh, and if you remember a couple of years ago when we actually used to put out episodes, um, you might remember that occasionally we'd set off on a trip or an adventure and record some footage from kind of out and about while we were out taking pictures and, and talk about the, the gear we were using maybe and the, the, the idea behind the project or whatever it was that we were trying to do. Um, well, it's been a couple of years um, because of everything you're all too familiar with, uh, but I thought I'd, uh, I'd do something like we used to. So here I am, I am uh, I'm driving now currently down to Bantry uh, in Southwest Ireland. Um, if you picture Southwest Island, there are, there are five peninsulas that stick out uh, into the Atlantic. Um, Dingle, Kerry, the Bearer Peninsula, the Sheep's Head Peninsula and Mizzen Head which is the, the southwest tip of, of Ireland. So I'm heading to the Sheep's Head Peninsula uh, for four days. The trip's been organised for a little while. Uh, my mother-in-law's over which means I can escape the house a little bit, escape childcare duties and, and head out and and spend a little time taking pictures and, and exploring another part of Ireland. So, as I say, the trip's been organised for a little while and uh, unfortunately, um, things have took a bit of a turn since I booked it. Um, so, um, every winter Ireland will have a handful of, of named storms that roll in off the Atlantic and cause some disruption. So they. A name storm means that it's, uh, it carries orange warnings of wind damage or the effects of wind. Um, so orange and, and red warnings, as I say, will, will have a name. Uh, and uh, uh, Unfortunately, this week we've had, um, we're, well, we're currently in the middle of the third named storm in four days. And uh, the weather has been you know, even, even for a country like Ireland that, that suffers some pretty extreme weather, uh, the last four days have been truly ridiculous. And uh, yeah, today is no exception. So we're not actually red at the moment, but, uh, but we're, so we're still orange, which means it's kind of okay to drive, but uh, you can probably hear the sound of uh, the Atlantic beating down on my windscreen as a, as a drive towards Bantry. Um, so my plan originally was to spend a few days, uh, as I say, exploring the Sheep's Head Peninsula, which is one of the least populated places in Europe and uh, has an extreme kind of, um, extremely kind of rugged um, landscape. There's a ridge of rock that runs out into the sea uh, and the peninsula is only sort of four or five kilometres wide and about 25 kilometres long. So, uh, yeah, and, and as I say, it catches everything that the Atlantic brings in. Um, so that was the plan, was to spend a, a couple of days walking and, and photographing out, out there. Um, but given the amount of rain that's being driven by um, kind of 80 and 90 kilometer an hour winds, I don't know how I'm gonna actually use a camera. Um, so uh, what I'll do is, if I do manage to get out and, and take some pictures, I'll maybe record some footage when I'm, when I'm out and about. What might end up happening is I sit in my Airbnb in Bantry 
or in the car um, listening to the rain beat against the windows and achieve very little. Although I am taking three days off of work, so it's not, it's not all lost. Uh, so I'll check in with you later on and see how things are going. So we're off and running. Two and a half hours into my journey to Bantry and uh, noticed that I was passing by uh, one of the pins that's dropped in my Google map of places to go and investigate uh, in Ireland, a place called Keel Kill Stone Circle. So saw it was it was close to the to the route, so I've stopped off and I've actually taken a couple of pictures. Uh, the weather remains unbelievable. Uh, I'm wearing all the clothes that I've brought with me. Uh, waterproofs are already soaked through, and I was out the car for maybe maybe five minutes. So uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> tough conditions. But a couple of pictures. The rain kind of relented just just long enough to snap a couple of shots. So um, yeah, we're underway. I'm now three, three and a half hours, I think, into the drive today. And I'm actually the southernmost person in Ireland, right as we speak, I'm on brow head. Uh, the storm is still crazy, but the, the rain has stopped and uh, the sun's come out. So uh, I'm gonna go and take some pictures. I'm not sure how much of this you're able to hear with the, the wind noise and I imagine it's making a real mess of the microphones but I'll have a listen back later on and, uh, and see how it's gone but yeah, off to get more pictures. I'm getting into the mood. in the mood to try and take some pictures. Uh, the storm has decided that, uh, that I'm not going to be. Uh, I couldn't get close to the, um, the signal tower and, and abandoned house that's on the top of the head. Uh, I just can't stand up because the wind is just, uh, just so strong obviously. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep walking around the kind of leeward side of the head a little bit, see what I can see. Again there are more abandoned houses here. And I can see why they're abandoned <laughs> if the weather's like this very often. Hey folks. I don't know how much of this you're going to hear because of the, uh, the wind. Storm Franklin is kicking my ass. It's blown me over a couple of times into the mud. Uh, but uh, I've made it to the, the abandoned houses on Browhead. Um, again, not, not sure if you caught it earlier, but I'm the southernmost person in Ireland right now. And uh, one of the daftest as well, I would have thought, given the, uh, the danger of, <laughs> of being out in this, this storm. But the pictures, it's all about the pictures. So I'll, um, the, the, the latest squall is just sort of blowing over and the sky's clearing again. So time for a few pictures. Uh, there's some abandoned houses down here on the head. There's old mine workings here. So I'm guessing these were mine workers cottages. So I shall read up about it afterwards, but uh, there's not much left of them, but enough for me to kind of shelter behind and just get out the wind for a little bit. 
unfortunately I'm going to have to step away from them as I say to, to get their picture so we'll see how that goes. down behind a wall out of the next rain shower that's blowing in horizontally. Um, yeah this is this is pretty hairy. Uh, I got a little bit closer towards the end of the head um, and there's a rock off the head out into the sea that the waves are hitting and then the wind is carrying the spray hundreds of meters. Um, and the, the spume, is it called, that kind of foam stuff, is also blowing all the way across across the fields and, and just blowing for so far. Uh, the head is covered in old abandoned buildings, uh, really interesting places to get pictures of, but the conditions are just, just crazy. I've snapped four or five pictures on film, I think, and a few more digitally, and uh, yeah, I... <laughs> I'm, I'm shaking my heart rates <laughs> my heart rates 200 beats a minute because it's, it's so kind of um, uh, so you know so much adrenaline kind of coursing uh, so yeah I'm sure the pictures are pretty shy but yeah pretty uh, pretty wild experience um, I'm gonna walk back to the head back to the car when this when this next rain clears and that's it I'm gonna call it a day I mean I've got other places to go and see while I was down here uh, but it's about four o'clock in the afternoon and the weather seems to be closing back in again after the brief bit of sunshine that we had. Um, so yeah, back to the Airbnb, get some food on and uh, yeah, go and find a pub. Okay, I'll speak to you when I get back. So I'm back in the Airbnb now. I can still hear the wind against the windows, um, but I have a glow in my cheeks, that's for sure, after a day spent outside. Um, I scraped off the layer of, of salt, the, the sea spray that was kind of crusted to me. I've got a fire going, I've had a couple of beers and, and got a big bowl of pasta inside me, so all feels good. It was five hours of driving in the end today, but along the way saw some incredible views and experienced weather like like I've never known before. Uh, the strength of that wind, the fact that it could sort of push me along, the fact that I couldn't, I couldn't control the direction of travel. You know, it was so strong that it was just pushing me along. Yeah, I've never, I've never been out in anything quite like that before. I took some pictures as well, which has been the first time in quite a long time, uh, and it was, yeah, it was good fun remembering how to do it and how to use the GW. That's certainly been a couple of years since I've taken that out. So yeah, looking forward to the results from that. Uh, I've seen the digital pictures on the back of the camera and uh, yeah, it all looks good. Unfortunately, obviously the conditions meant that the amount of photography was pretty limited, just firing off the odd snap here and there and wasn't able to sort of walk around a scene and sort of take it all in and, and, and choose my angles too much. It was a case of you know standing up for as long as I possibly could and, and taking the picture and, and uh, getting the camera back in the bag out of the out of the wet and um, yeah moving on so as I said earlier I'm, I'm down here for for three nights and unfortunately I was checking the forecast earlier and it seems that the bad weather's now been extended for another another day so it's out until Tuesday 
uh, and I'm due to go back on Wednesday. So not quite sure what I'm going to do for the next few days. My original plans of sort of walking in the mountains here probably are not going to be possible. So uh, might have to stay a little bit lower and yeah just do a bit of research see what i can find locally and and get out and take some pictures of that i'll be sure to take you along It's uh, the morning after the, the madness of, of yesterday. The, the storm seems to have disappeared completely. So uh, as I went to sleep last night, the sound of the wind around the, the roofs was uh, was crazy. Whistling, banging and crashing going on. Um, but slept like a log and I've woke up this morning and there's, there's barely a breath of wind and a clear blue sky. So uh, I think it's back to plan A, which is to, to go and walk up some hills for the next couple of days. So my plan today is to walk a hill called Seafin, which is only 350 metres high, but uh, kind of straight up from sea level. And it's at the end of the peninsula that I was describing yesterday. So uh, a real spectacular location should be able to see Mizzenhead to the south and the, the bigger hills of the Bearer Peninsula in the north. I've got a 20 kilometre route in mind. Yeah, should, should be out for most of the day. I think what I'm going to do is um, just take the digital camera today uh, and probably tomorrow on tomorrow's walk. And then if I spot places that are worth getting around to uh, to photograph it on film later, I'll do that on Wednesday morning before I drive back up, up north. Um, so that's the plan. Uh, Cumberland sausages are, are sitting heavily in my stomach. Um, just getting through a coffee and then I'll load up and get going. now about a quarter of the way into the walk. Um, I'm in the village called Ahakista, although I'm sure it sounds completely different to that if somebody from County Cork says it. I've walked from the north shore of the peninsula uh, over the high ground in the middle and down to the southern shore and as I say the fishing village uh, on the shore. Uh, pretty gentle so far um, there's kind of one road that, that goes over the over the high ground in the middle of the peninsula which I've, I've followed it meanders its way across moorland it's now time to go through this village and then and then back up and start the climb of the uh, of Seafin the, the highest point on the peninsula and uh, not too much going on photographically uh, the sun's out uh, the wind is getting up but as I say the moorland's been pretty pretty sort of bland so far um, but the next stage of the walk is up into the higher hills, and so I expect to, uh, yeah, to have more to take pictures of.
So I'm taking a quick breather just uh, just below the ridge line before I get up onto the summit and then uh, I'm actually walking across three tops today uh, all connected by by a sort of triangular ridge. So um, once I'm up there I expect I'm going to be in the wind so a quick check in before I get up into that uh, into those conditions. So I came up from Ahakista, beautiful climb across the rock and grassland that uh, this peninsula is made up of. Uh, every other step is either on super grippy exposed bare rock or is a kind of 50-50 chance of, uh, of stepping into some bottomless puddle in the, in the grass and bog that's between the rocks. If you do drop into the, the puddle and put your hand out to stop yourself, the chances are you'll, you'll land in some stuff that looks like heather but feels like, I don't know, like needle sharp barbed wire. But avoiding the, those pitfalls, the, uh, the views as I expected are really opening up. I've got a spectacular view into the bay that, that sits between the Sheephead Peninsula and Mizzenhead and the sun is kind of breaking through the clouds and forming these silvery patches of light on the sea that are just just amazing, just beautiful. If I look inland the, uh, the cloud and there's, there's certainly rainstorms back further inland and uh, because of the way I've climbed kind of in the shelter of the, the hill I can't really see what weather's coming. So as I, again, as I get up onto the ridge, I might be in for a, a pleasant surprise or uh, or I might be reaching for the waterproofs. Uh, so yeah, as I say, as, as the views get better, certainly taking more pictures. I suppose I should talk about cameras a little bit, um, seeing as this is nominally a photography podcast. Uh, I'm carrying a Leica M262 rangefinder with a Carl Zeiss, 50mm sauna. Uh, it's light and it means that I don't worry about zoom lenses, about um, about the weight and the kind of, you know, just, just overthinking it. It's a, it's a body and a lens and, um, you know, the rest of it's down to me. If I need to try and pick out a certain composition, I have to move for it and I have to walk closer or further away or or just try and think about what I can do with that 50mm view. So it suits me and it's what I tend to bring on, on walks like this, uh, if not perhaps something slightly wider. But uh, knowing how massive the kind of landscapes were going to be that I'm out in today, I thought 50mm made more sense. So uh, these will all go up on the blog, all the pictures at some point, um, along with this recording. Uh, so yeah. Um, I'm going to take a breather, take a, take some calories, and then go up onto the ridge and see what the rest of the day holds. So checking in again, uh, six kilometres left to walk, uh, about 14 done. I've uh, been over the top of the three highest peaks on the route today and heading down before one final climb uh, to one last peak before the finish. Um, the world has just disappeared into the, into the clouds. Uh, I saw them coming so I was able to get kind of waterproofed up in time but uh, yeah it's uh, the, it literally it's like uh, the world just went grey and, and disappeared. So yeah no, no views at all right now. Trail conditions underfoot are just 
depressing as well. So it's like the hillsides made of either rock, which is great, or or kind of this brown jelly that's spread out over ice or something. It's just just uh, really difficult to walk on. I feel like some kind of some kind of uh, I don't know. Russian teenage ice skater but on the wrong kind of drugs just slipping and sliding all over the place it's uh, it's hard work but uh, yeah not too far from the finish uh, some some uh, some awesome views earlier so uh, optimistic that the uh, there's gonna be some decent pictures to show for this uh, this trek So there we are back at the car, uh, 22 kilometers, 22 and a half something, um, a thousand meters of climbing. And uh, yeah, I, I must admit I was getting a bit, a bit fed up towards the end of the walk. It was so wet underfoot, so grim, uh, no view and slipping and sliding down the mountain more often than I can remember. Yeah, pretty grim. The one highlight came just as I was uh, getting back towards civilization. I say civilization. I was getting back towards a road, and uh, yeah, out of the murk came a buzzing sound, and then and then a kind of outline of a electricity post. And this thing, because it's so wet, there's so much moisture in the air. This thing was buzzing and cracking away, and making a fantastic sound, which hopefully you've just heard. So that's it. Um, time to pack up, get back to Bantry and replace several thousand calories, I think. We're lucky to get out today because I don't think it's going to last like this. No. I think we might have snow. It certainly feels cold enough. It'll get cold. <laughs> that window. So good morning, the uh, second morning of my trip down to uh, Bantry. Uh, I've taken a, a walk down into town just to try and wake myself up a bit really. Uh, woke up this morning feeling like a little bit like I've been run over. Um, 
aches and pains in muscles that uh, don't usually have aches and pains. Not just because of the walk, I don't think, but because of the, uh, you know, the slipping and sliding. When I was maybe, you know, trying to keep myself upright, I was using muscles that I've not used for a while. So, yeah, um, I'm sure it will loosen off through the day. Yeah, just having a quick walk around Bantry, looking at a town that's obviously full of history, um, and you, you know you can see it in the streets and the and the buildings. Uh, now it feels like lots of Irish towns rural town or provincial towns that um, I don't know it just feels a little bit tired um, and a little bit overrun by cars I mean it's February there are almost no tourists here as, the, as there normally would be uh, pretty much throughout the year when, when Covid's not a thing but just everywhere there are cars I mean the main street is just being resurfaced at the moment which is causing some disruption but every parking space is full every uh, you know, it's nose to tail all the way through the town, through the twisting streets. Um, it's just, just pretty sad, really. Anyway, plan for the today, for today is to head back out to the Sheep's Head Peninsula, right to the very end this time. I'm going to go and take a look at the lighthouse that, that stands at the end of the, the, uh, the um, peninsula. Uh, there's some old mine workings out there as well, which I'm going to go and have a look at and another set of cottages, which hopefully this, today will be a little bit more uh, you know, possible to photograph rather than, rather than in the gales of, of a couple of days ago. So we'll see how it goes and I'll uh, check in along the way. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, I wonder where Ian is now. Well, as luck would have it, I'm about to tell you. So the Sheep's Head Peninsula that um, I've spent the last couple of days on has this ridge line that runs down the centre of the peninsula and the, the, uh, the northern side of that ridge line, so kind of pointing northwest, west-northwest, um, seems to catch all the weather, uh, so all the all the rock is exposed and it's it's pretty wild. The southern bit, the bit below the peninsula, a uh, bit below the ridge, is greener and you can see there's more farming and uh, agriculture down there. More trees are still standing. So today, left Bantry and drove down along a road which kind of dis deteriorates and deteriorates the further along you go. Um, to the point that it's it's pretty much a track, and this this runs the, the, uh, the along the north of, of the northern shore of the peninsula. And what I was heading for was a, an old mine um, that's at the end of the peninsula. Pretty much, um, it was only a kilometre or so before the end of the peninsula. And this is a Victorian era mine, copper mine, that was um, dug into the cliffs. Um, kind of between the sea level and the top of the cliff, kind of halfway up, there was a seam discovered and uh, a mine built on the top of the cliffs and sitting where I am right now are a row of cottages that were used by the, the workers of the, in, the, in the mines. And I can count the remains of, I think, 10 cottages. I say cottage, it's, a, it's a, almost a terraced row um, of ten rooms 
uh, with a chimney that kind of share, that's shared between every other um, cottage, if you see what I mean. Uh, and these are on this northern shore that I was talking about, lifted, lifted maybe 100 feet above the sea. Um, so just, just must have caught all the weather. Now today it's, the, the sun's out, it's still pretty windy, but um, you know, it's the best possible conditions probably that these miners would have ever experienced. And yet, just looking at where they were working, uh, they would have need, needed to have been lowered down the cliff before entering a hole that's you know, only, only a few feet high. So crawling into this kind of dark space um, above the roaring noise of the sea uh, to work in you know terrible conditions uh, and then once they've done that for their I don't know, 10 12 hours whatever they were doing uh, coming back to these these really basic tiny shelters that, that they lived in uh, just unimaginably rough um, so yeah, spent a little bit of time here, just kind of soaking all that in and and taking some pictures. And I've I've really uh, the mojo's kicking in a little bit, and I've you know felt like I'm uh, I'm making some good pictures uh, using the GW690 again uh, with Fuji Neopon Acros, and this is the original stuff. I've still got 17 rolls, I think, left of the original uh, Mark One Acros, which most of you all know I was a big fan of. Obviously not ideal perhaps for, for traditional landscape photography, um, but perhaps more my version of that. Yeah, I'm enjoying myself, taking lots and lots of pictures. I'm not in any kind of rush, and so have been able to, you know, take my time, pick the shots, and kind of soak in exactly what it is I'm looking at, which hopefully will inform the pictures a little bit. One interesting side note, that these buildings were known as the Crimea because apparently two of the residents of these buildings didn't get on and the war that was going on in Crimea at the time, they said that the war between these two families was, was as bad. Really interesting that that should all be kicking off again right now just when I'm, I'm visiting. Uh, yeah, there's no evidence of that war here unless the reason why these buildings are all knocked down is because of it, but uh, yeah, I'm guessing the weather's done that over the last 170 odd years since they were in use. sound of me walking again. Slightly squelchy, slightly breathy, but uh, yeah, I've been doing a lot of it the last few days, so you'll have to put up with it for a little bit longer. Uh, so I'm now right at the end of the Sheep's Head Peninsula. Uh, there's a lighthouse uh, built in the 60s, and uh, uh, there's an there's a information board there that tells you about how, they, how it was built and how everything had to be helicoptered out. To the, to the rock because there's no kind of road or anything to get there. Uh, and it was 280 helicopter flights to build this thing. Um, 
what struck me, I mean, this thing's, this thing's the, obviously the last tip of Ireland sticking out uh, into the Atlantic. And I was thinking, I, I can't imagine how happy you'd be to see that light flashing away in the distance if you're heading in from the Atlantic. And you see that means that you're about to turn right and into the sheltered waters of Bantry Bay and, you know, you're going to get a, a cold beer that night after being out in the, out in the ocean. Yeah, pretty pretty special place and uh, spectacular. You know, uh, great for great for pictures, but great to sort of experience it. Um, just before you get out to the head uh, to, to the um, lighthouse itself, there's a there's a sign. I say sign. So during the war, um, the Irish government set people to to build signs from rocks that said "Era, Air." Era, the, the Irish word for Ireland, to show that you know if you were flying over and weren't quite sure where you were, that you were over over neutral Ireland. And these these things are kind of thirty foot high arrangements of rocks that have been uh, that have been painted white, usually whitewashed, so that they stand out from the hill. And uh, yeah, they 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 tend to be in well, obviously they're they're around the coastland. And uh, the best preserved ones, like this one here, are the ones that are hardest to get to because obviously less people go and kick them around or I don't know, do whatever they do. So this one's in, in great condition, but, but really tricky to get to. It's on quite a, quite a steep slope that drops away quickly down to the, uh, down to the, the foaming waves below. So yeah, I, I, I actually got too close and uh, because I've only got 50 mil or 45 mil lens with me. I was, I was just too close to get a picture. Um, but kind of went up onto the hill above it and snapped a couple, so. Uh, but yeah, good, great experience to actually be there and see this thing. Um, so yeah, now walking back to the car and uh, yeah, then back to Bantry via one or two more stops. Good morning for one final time. Uh, today's the day that I've, I've packed up the Airbnb in Bantry and um, I'm heading back up to County Clare. Uh, three stops scheduled along the way. Uh, I'm at the first one already, which is which is Gugan Barra. Again, apologies for uh, for people who can pronounce Irish words better than I can, but it's uh, it's a steep-sided. Um, valley that was cut by a glacier 100,000 years ago or so. Um, it's famous for the lake in the in the bottom of the valley, which has a chapel on an island called St Finbar's Oratory. And you'll have seen this. You may well have seen this this chapel. It's a kind of picture postcard Irish view that goes on I don't know, biscuit tins and things. Just next to that is a forest park that's owned and run by Coilter, which is the kind of 
Irish Forestry Commission equivalent, I guess. So there's a there's a bunch of footpaths and kind of loop trails that go up through the woodland here, and there are kind of specimen trees and all sorts of different weird and wonderful trees in these uh, in these in these woodlands. So I've picked out one of the routes for a quick walk. Um, so it takes in a uh, obviously the forest, but also a waterfall that's high and exposed on one of the, the hillsides. So uh, should be some opportunities for, for more pictures. Carrying the same gear, the Leica and the Fuji GW690. Uh, I think I'm four rolls in already, which is probably four more rolls than a shot all of last year. So um, yeah, it feels good to be back on the horse a little bit and, and, uh, and shooting once more. So I'm on the drive back now, so time to wrap up. Um, yeah, I cut short the Dugan Barra visit a little bit because another storm blew in, wind and rain once more. Um, so uh, started on the road home, but uh, called in at a place called Knocknakillin Stone Circle. Uh, there's a there's a particular area in Cork where there seems to be lots of megalithic activity or you know, remains uh, including stone circles and wedge tombs and things like that so these things are all kind of three and a half thousand years old uh, and in the case of Knocknakillin pretty well preserved there's a there's an upright stone in the stone circle that was that's um, kind of really spectacularly set as well and with the rain clouds gathering just made for a kind of moody moody place and a, and a a decent experience so um, yeah I've, I've, I've used so two cameras on the trip the Leica digital and the uh, and the GW690 so the, the Leica has been my kind of um, I don't know, snapshot camera and uh, I've shot 250 pictures with it over the last four days I imagine I'll edit that down and it'll be kind of 75 or 100 perhaps that will remain in the Lightroom archive. Um, the GW, I've sort of pulled out whenever there's been a scene that, you know, I wanted to wanted to catch on film. Um, so yeah, certainly no snap, snapshots. Um, and yeah, as I say, where I, where I kind of mean it a little bit more, that's when the, that when the film cameras come out. Um, so I've shot five rolls, eight shots per roll, um, so 40 shots and after I edit that down I expect I'll have 35 keepers because the, uh, the hit rate's obviously quite a bit better. 
so thanks for listening in I realise this has been a little bit different to uh, to maybe the normal photography podcast we've talked in the past on the on the, on the viewfinder vikings that uh, podcasting isn't the ideal medium to talk about photography because you know obviously it's a visual medium and and talking about pictures isn't isn't always uh, great um, but hopefully this kind of um, content for want of a better word it's the idea that we're actually talking about the making of pictures and what we're trying to do with the pictures and uh, you know a little bit of sort of behind the scenes stuff might be more useful or a better use of the medium uh, I've also included some of the sounds from my trips from my walks and from my uh, uh, experiences um, again something a little bit different and hopefully you like them uh, hopefully added a little bit of, sort of colour to the to the uh, scene um, if you did like them go to SoundCloud and look for Barnaby Not and you'll find uh, longer versions of the sounds that I've included here and uh, lots of other stuff that I've been recording since I've been playing with field recording over the last sort of, six months or so um, so yeah thanks one more time for listening thanks to Sven for allowing me to do this sort of nonsense on his podcast and thanks one more time to my Polish mother-in-law who's come over, um, given me four days of, of non-childcare uh, duties that have allowed me to get out and about and do this sort of stuff.